a flavor odyssey and the odyssey continues what's up dojo nation you're here with another episode of a flavor odyssey i'm your host robbie raz with our co-host randy griggs coming to you from lot b cigar dojo studio out here in san francisco california it is a beautiful fall day randy falls upon us how do you feel about it i am very pleased that uh we are beyond the heat of mm. summer and we have definitely cruised into the uh mild temperate weather that i'm used to here in northern california fall is my favorite time of year oh you know might be mine too actually absolute favorite yeah because we got football on sundays mm. it's a postseason baseball which uh my Giants will not be uh, participating, and your your athletics will be. We will. They have we, finally have a home game. That's right. We we're actually the number one wild card yeah. uh, this played, season, which is nice. That was huge, having to go across the country and play in Tampa Bay. And I think the game's actually on Wednesday. It is. I think yeah. it is on Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, the outcome may have already been decided by the time people are watching this. How do you feel about it? Um you don't know because we haven't. We can't see the future. Yeah, I don't know. If it was um, but we're going to win. But no, I, I, I no, I think that that's it's a good matchup. Yeah, I don't know who they'll uh, who they're pitching is. That's the one thing with the A's is pitching. But nobody cares about baseball right now. So uh, I we, disagree. We, I think a lot I of people that, care. That, do you guys care about baseball right now? Well, I do. I mean, well, the but, blender of the cigar that we're smoking today actually. I was pretty excited. But he's a Mets fan. He's a Mets fan, but he the ro- Mets are he's really rocking, bad. Uh, like a classic Reggie oh, he was Jackson at Oakland yeah, Athletics jersey this Mr. October. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a good look. It's mm-hmm. a good look, Hector. Keep it up. <laughs> so, spoilers. Uh, let's get into uh, what we're pairing today. Uh, we are going what, what spoilers? I already told you guys. I told you <laughs> yesterday on Monday what we're pairing. Uh, we're going with the Espinosa Habano. Uh, I'm sure there's a very sexy picture up on the screen, but you guys can kind of see uh, we're going with the Box Press Toro. And as you can see, we're about halfway through. Uh, Randy and I fired these cigars up early. And um, I this is, the first, this is the first time I smoked the Box Press Toro, Randy. And um, this might... No, this isn't the first time I've smoked the, the revamped blend. We'll get into that because mm-hmm. uh, this blend was revamped a few years ago. Um, but uh, I'm really, really digging this cigar. Super, super smooth. Kind of creamy cedar thing happening there a lot of spice in the retro hill very very nice smoke and we're pairing that with <laughs> kind of a, a not really what we were anticipating out of the uh, and i'll take full blame because this or this uh, beer was my recommendation uh the erdinger uh, Oktoberfest because it's it's late september when we're recording this early october we're coming up on the end of Oktoberfest right. season in germany so i thought what the hell let's do an Oktoberfest beer and a martzen i figured would probably pair pretty nicely with this cigar it was a good theory in theory it was great <laughs> uh the problem is this is not a martzen and um but we're going to get into that and actually it's not really a problem but spoilers again i'm spoiling all kinds of stuff today yeah you're jumping right in yeah i'm in like i'm ready to tell everybody what i think and let's (laughs) let's just wrap it up yeah let's just rate the thing (laughs) and be done with it. yeah okay (laughs) thumb sideways let's go um no this is uh this this i'm excited about this i'm excited about it yeah me too and and the the uh the timing actually worked out really well um both to your point we are uh, right now, coming towards the end of Oktoberfest as, as a seasonal thing, I actually spent my weekend uh, at a local Oktoberfest here at a, at a brewery called Heretic uh, here locally. Uh, I did my first whole pig roast. How'd that work out? It worked out 
perfectly. Um, it feels weird calling it a roast. I smoked it really, mm. uh, so it was a whole pig smoke mm. uh, on a trailer smoker that I've got uh, that I got my hands on. Uh, did you bring any home? I did. So there's some in there that I could. Yes, yes. After the show, we can absolutely try some of that. I'm excited. Um, that looks. That sounds good. Yeah. No, I I never worked with a pig, so I did a, a 75 pound. Can I talk about my Oktoberfest? Yeah, kinda, what the hell? We're in. I'm excited we're, about we're already it. knee deep in it, so go for uh, it. So I did a 75 pound hog. Um, and is that big? It's for I mean, uh, I mean, pigs are big, right? Like a hog. Oh, oh uh, when you say uh, hog, I think motorcycle. Yeah, no, I read that it was a hog and not a suckling pig, and that like I think determines the the size difference. I haven't got really into as much as I smoke pork. I haven't really got into the classifications of the different um, species of uh, swine um, but uh, <laughs> as I went through ordering it I determined that to get a 75 pounder I had to order a hog and not a suckling pig so so 75 pounds must be a pretty good size it, and that it's, feeds uh, a it's lot of 40 people. pounds of, of finished pork um, so I planned for it at half pound uh, servings per uh, person. 80, yeah. 80 yeah. person uh, feeding so um, yeah it worked out it was a 9 hour smoke Mm. Uh, so I got up at two thirty in the morning. Yeah, you texted me pictures. You <laughs> uh, texted me these. Pic- I wake up to like eight texts on my phone <laughs> because uh, Randy is not in the exclusive part of my phone, and he reminds me of this all the time because I put my phone on silent <laughs> at night. So the only calls or texts that will come through are from like immediate family in case there's an emergency. Otherwise, it can wait. And Randy takes that exceptionally personally. And you know what? I'm, I, you know, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this moment and share this with you. That you have finally made the cut. I made the favorites list. Into my the favorites on my phone, along with my wife, my sister, and my mom, and Randy. Those are on the favorites list. That's a pretty elite list. It is. You've made the cut, man. Uh, Yeah, we're we're having a moment. Excuse us. (laughs) Cheers. Mm. So I wake up to these text messages at you know six thirty in the morning on a Sunday, which I wasn't awake, and there's like all these dead pigs everywhere. (laughs) Like, what is happening? This is very unsettling to wake up to this. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I'm actually very intrigued. Nine hours. Nine hours of smoking. Yeah. I don't want to do anything for nine hours. Yeah, it was, it, was an intense, uh, it was an intense situation, but it was great. You know, we had people in Lederhosen and uh, classic German music playing all day. There's about 500 people at this event. Um, so they had a few different uh, food options. I also did uh, 40 pounds of, of pork butt. Um, as just kind of filler meat. Uh, there's also, uh, of course, bratwurst and, and uh, schnitzel a- as part of the offerings. So, uh, so me planning for about 160 uh, to eat the pork uh, ended up being being pretty perfect. I had very little uh, pork at the end of the day, which I did bring home to share with my wife and and with you, of course, Rob. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm taking some, so I hope. <laughs> <laughs> No, so all that being said, we are at the end of Oktoberfest as a season, something that I have always been a pet peeve for me. Uh, how many people think that Oktoberfest is a festival that is celebrated in the month of October? Uh, you and I both being uh, people that have attended the actual uh, original festival in Munich, Germany. Mm. Uh, we know that it's a three-week festival. It actually starts 
uh, in mid-September. It and ends on the first weekend, first Saturday first or Sunday. first Sunday? In first October. Sunday of October. You were yeah. getting right into that, and I cut you off. I no, no, that's that's uh, all good. So let's yeah, let's get into Oktoberfest a little bit. Uh, the one uh, this is mainly Randy's topic because he's the beer guy. The one thing I do have to contribute um, is the list of, I guess you'd call them approved vendors in uh, the current speak, but um, to be uh, a at traditional Oktoberfest in Munich, there's only six breweries. That's right. That serve beer there, and they they are all what the they have to be brewed in Munich, correct? They have to be brewed in the city limits of of <laughs> München. München, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and they have to all um, go by and brew to the original uh, Rheinetzgebot uh, purity law of 1516. So those are, yep. those are the qualifiers. There's <laughs> only six of them. We'll, we'll get into that word for word <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, so to go through, um, Augustiner is one. That's Munich's oldest brewery. Uh, Hackershore, which is the... Um, Hackershore was actually two breweries that combined, right? It was... I should have that, but I don't. So just Isn't know that... the it, Hacker and the Shore Brewery? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, and then there's Hofbrauhaus. Mm-hmm. Lohenbrau. Yep. Uh, Polliner. Is not what we're drinking today. Nope. And Spotten, I believe those, yep, that's the six. Now, I uh, mistakenly thought that Erdinger was one of them. They're not. And I mistakenly thought this was an Oktoberfest beer. It's not. But it's called an Oktoberfest beer. It's actually a bit of a hybrid. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so in Munich, uh, and since 1516, uh, they basically only brew lagers in that southern uh, portion of Germany. Uh, Bavaria. Is it considered Bavaria? Bavaria, Bavaria is, is, is the overall like, like, uh, district kind of, of Germany. So Munich is the capital of, of Bavaria, which is that southern horn. Oh, is it really that official? It has a capital and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always kind of equated it to like, like we have in the United States, we have the Midwest. But it's really more of a unofficial moniker. Yeah, yeah no, they're much more. Uh, oh, so it's a real. It really is a. Yeah, it's a yeah, deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so they only brew lagers there in northern Germany. You'll find the towns of Dusseldorf mm-hmm. and Köln, where where uh, they brew Kolsch. alt beer and Kolsch. Mm-hmm. Kolsch is so good. And I love, I love both Kolsch, Kolsch and, and alt beer. Are, are fantastic beers. We'll, we'll definitely have yeah. to get some of those into this show so we can talk about those at greater depth. Uh, but because of your beer choice, we'll have to also Damn. mention <laughs> that there is a ale. My bad. <laughs> that is uh, well known from Germany, and that is the classic Weiss beer, Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hefe uh, meaning not El Hefe. Not El Hefe, uh, which would be the boss. Um, uh, Hefe is actually the German word for yeast, and Weizen is the German word for wheat. So Hefeweizen translates specifically to yeasty wheat beer, mm. and that is the the it's a good one descriptor of it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind yeah, of what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very. Uh, it's odd how that worked out. Yeah, they got really lucky there. Uh, so, so that is the one classic ale that Germany is best known for. Uh, so the Erdinger Oktoberfest. Erdinger is a brand that uh, is primarily known. Uh, they wheats. boast that they are the world's largest producer of German wheat beer. Um, and so when they made this Oktoberfest version of their Hefeweizen, 
Um, to your point, it's kind of a hybrid. So it is a Hefeweizen, just all in all by nature of the ingredients. They use yeast, um, uh, ale yeast, and wheat um, in large portions. I think I've mentioned on this show before that uh, that even a wheat beer is still going to be mostly barley-based. Um, some of the German ones will push it all the way to maybe up to 50% wheat. Um, so that 50%, though, makes a huge flavor difference. Uh, wheat's known to be uh, very grainy, very straw-like, has a little bit of a softer, more kind of pillowy texture to it. Um, well, the Hefeweizen yeast is known very specifically for the flavor contributors that it makes during the fermentation. Uh, so yeast fermentation, everybody, everyone that's into beer kind of knows that fermentation produces CO2 and uh, ethanol. It also produces uh, several flavor uh, components. Um, those flavor components are generally categorized into two major categories of esters and phenols. Uh, so esters are the flavors in beer that you get that are fruity and phenols are the ones that you get that are more spicy. So mm. those can range from spice, cloves, pepper, uh, smoke, um, where <laughs> phenols are going to be in a beer like this. Uh, a Hefeweizen is known for its banana esters, bubblegum esters, and clove-like phenols. Uh, so that's what I can say about Hefeweizen for right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, full disclosure, I thought we were getting a Martzen. That was the plan. Um, but I think we may have had a bit of a happy accident here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just to point it out, uh, Erdinger, uh, is thanking us. They thank you too, with every bottle that you drink for enjoying the world's number one Hefeweizen. Right. Now, I don't know where they get that from. Is it just their tagline? I mean, could, did they trademark that? Marketing. It doesn't say the little trademark. Hey, marketing people are not evil people. Um, but they're not exactly factual people either. <laughs> don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. You, come on, exactly, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so it's we were anticipating a uh, a darker uh, beer with Martzen style with a bit more right, malt a, forward mm -hmm. and uh, a lager. Yeah, maybe have some of those sulfur. Yeah, maybe we'll have something like that in the uh, in the near future. But for now, we're going to go with what we got mm -hmm. because we're here and we're halfway into the show and uh, we're halfway into this pairing. Um, but again, I think it's kind of a happy accident. So let's talk a little bit about the cigar that we're, uh, we're pairing with. Again, it's the Espinosa Habano. We are going with the Box Press Toro. It is available in several different Vitolas. we got a Corona, Lancero. Lancero I would really like to try. I haven't had the Lancero. Uh, Robusto Toro, uh, Box Press Toro, and a Trabuca. Trabuco? The hell's a Trabuco? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I haven't smoked one of those. Hector, what's a Trabuco? <laughs> <laughs> it's six and eighth by 58. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm curious now. I'm about to look it up. Six and how long? Six and one eighth by 58. That's a big old cigar, man. That's a hefty. It's a Gordo. A, almost. It, it is. Yeah, basically a Gordo, I guess. Yeah. So maybe that's what Trabuco means. Um, but uh, Hector can chime in on that. Um, so the Habano, the, the Espinosa Habano has kind of a, not really a long history. It was first uh, produced back in 2012 uh, when um, Espinosa kind of became 
their own company, right? With that mm-hmm. split we've talked about in previous shows. Yep. Uh, when um, Eric and Eddie Ortega uh, split from EO Brands and, right. and they each kind of did their own thing. Um, that was when the La Zona factory was launched, right? Mm-hmm. In 2012. Um, and we're all familiar with Espinosa and La Zona. There's some phenomenal, phenomenal cigars coming out of that factory. Uh, Espinosa, I mean, with other brands as well. Protocol comes out of that factory. Um, what else comes out of that factory? Cornelius and Anthony. Yeah, they make some Cornelius um, and Anthony stuff. There's, there's. Um, I feel like there's an obvious there's a, one we're missing. Yeah, I feel that way too because I didn't really prep for that and I just threw it at you because I thought maybe you'd know. <laughs> um, but that's the fun of it. Uh, so this oh, cigar was twenty eight. Yeah, the one that's near yes. and dear to our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so two thousand twelve, initially released, uh, was rebranded uh, in two thousand fifteen with this and. Uh, Eric, if we could show that picture again, that really sexy photo. The branding on this, I really like it. Uh, I like it a lot better than what they had before. The previous branding, I don't know if you've even oh, seen yeah, it. it yeah. was it was kind of a like the blue white. and like kind of maroon colors mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just like this. Just looks so much more. Um, Has an elegant feel. Yeah, to it, it's right? it's a bit ornate, but not mm-hmm. over the top. Right. Uh, with the gold leaf, I guess you'd call it some embossing on there, blue and blue and white. Um, it's kind of the standard Espinosa band now, I believe. Um, but in 2015, when they rebranded it, it was also, uh, they, they tweaked the blend a little bit with, I think at the time, right? New uh, new blender, uh, Hector was on board. I believe was so, it right yeah. around 2015? Yeah. I think that's when he started with the company. Hector, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he uh, he tweaked this blend a little bit. And I've, I've smoked this. I remember I smoked it uh, the, the year that it came out at that IPCPR, and it was one of my favorite cigars of that year. It was very popular with the Dojo. Uh, when it first came out in 2012, that was when the Dojo started, right? That's right. And that became that was actually the cigar of the year. Yeah, and it was the very first cigar of the year that uh, that Cigar Dojo ever did. Yeah. Do we want to go into that anymore? I think we just covered it. That's covered it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but that kind of started, uh, the, the that was how everybody kind of got to know each other, right? I mean, I don't yeah, think I, Eric I, and, and Eric right. <laughs> knew each other, but... Uh, well anyway before then and, right. uh, and since then they've shared booths with each other at, our, mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Oktoberfest <laughs> <laughs> at IPCPR and, and developed a very good relationship and I mean obviously um, uh, the uh, Espinosa stuff is always big on the dojo so uh, and I think they've even done they've done cigars together right? Yeah they've done uh, a few collaborations I know the Feng Shui was the very first yeah. uh, collab release I ever went to for dojo um, that's a Lizona mm. uh, produced cigar Um I'll tell you what, there's something else that comes out of Lizona that I can't think of. And I feel like and it's a really good cigar and I can't think of it. Hopefully it comes in my head. Hmm. Um, anyway, so that's that's a little bit of the background on the cigar. Um, the blend here is, as I scroll through my notes, uh, meat, they refer to it as a medium bodied cigar. I would completely agree with that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's maybe medium plus on the flavor side. Yeah. No, uh, the very the body is, it's, there's a ton of flavor here. Uh, super creamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I love a cigar that's got kind of a creamy texture, creamy profile, uh, creamy cedar notes in there. Uh, Nicaraguan uh, uh, binder and filler <clears throat> with an Ecuadorian Habano Rosado wrapper. And uh, very, it's, it's uh, a super approachable cigar that I think probably just about anybody could smoke. And I'm guessing 100% of the people watching the show uh, have smoked this cigar, 150% actually. Um, have smoked it and if you haven't 
then you're sleeping. You need to get on. You yeah, need to get on this. On. I will say this is the first time I've smoked the uh, the box press Toro. Mm-hmm. Digging the size, and we've been smoking this for a good hour, and we're about halfway through now. Granted, we talk a lot, so uh, it's probably not a two hour smoke, but maybe like an hour and forty five. I smoke really, really slow, even if I'm not talking a lot. So keep that in mind as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, just creamy cedar. Uh, you get a lot of, I get a lot of pepper on the retro. It's mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know if I've gotten used to the pepper on the retro. And by pepper, I mean like a white spice, like a hot white pepper and a little bit of black pepper too, but not like that peppercorn earthy kind of yeah. flavor. Um, but it's real nice on the retro hail. Um, if you're not retro hailing when you smoke your cigars, you're missing out on 100, 150% of the flavor. <laughs> right? Rob <laughs> needs to work on his percentages. <laughs> It's, I've got but, it. I've got it in a spreadsheet somewhere. It's it's 150 percent. But no, I I totally agree. Uh, you know, I wasn't able to retrohale for for several months. I was smoking. It was it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to, to do. Yeah, especially if you've it. if you've been smoking other things and then come to smoke cigars, other things that you would inhale, right? If you're smoking, you know, the hippie lettuce or uh, mm. the uh, the like a cigarette or something like that, it's and you come to a cigar and you try to retrohale, you're going to end up. Choking. Choking. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of the problem. Um, yeah, but you do definitely pick up other flavors that aren't uh, immediately uh, uh, apparent on the palate by, by retrohaling. And I agree. You definitely get a very nice uh, spice character that's coming, um, a peppery character in the retrohale on this that's not that, like, really... Uh, kind of kind of sharp black pepper it is more of a white pepper mm. where it's it's got like kind of a tingling sensation very very pleasant uh with just a touch of maybe a touch of black pepper yeah um but yeah i'm i'm with you i, I get more white pepper yeah and more of and by me when i say white pepper i mean more heat than flavor not like a red pepper spice where it's like you can't retrohale sometimes retrohales can get super super spicy this to me is it's very it's a very comfortable cigar to smoke yep. a lot of flavor if you're not if you're just you know watching a football game with your buddies or whatever um you can enjoy it if but if you're really focusing on it there's layers uh to this flavor mm-hmm. where you can really kind of get down in there and find something a little bit different every time you smoke it definitely um, a lot of complexity yeah do you want let's talk a little bit about the uh the flavors we're getting from the beer we talked about uh some of that uh, esters and what was the other one? Phenols. Phenols, that one. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should be doing a science experiment when you say phenols. Well, I, I don't, do we, we need like a like a Bunsen burner. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you're you're right. So I basically described a, a classic Hefeweizen. And to the literature on the Erdinger Oktoberfest here, um, what they've done is create like a hybrid. And so it's um, they went with more of a... Um, Oktoberfest feel on a classic and so what I'm thinking that they did here and this is me just kind of using what I know about beer and tasting this beer and kind of guessing a little bit would you say guesstimating uh sure hypothesizing yeah yeah Yeah, that's good (laughs) um we're making up words uh you know a Hefeweizen is usually done in an open fermenter at a higher temperature to really um bring out and um make those esters and phenols very prominent you know they want uh, you, uh, bubble gum banana and and clove to punch in the in the face like you shouldn't be able to miss those flavors where on this beer i feel that they are a little bit more subdued 
uh, which can be uh, controlled through the overall fermentation temperature. So they might have done this at a lower lager temperature. Mm. Uh, like I said, the Meritzen Oktoberfest style beer is a lager, so that would be fermented at that lower temperature. So by using the Hefeweizen yeast that is known for uh, presenting those flavors at a lower temperature, they're going to come out a little bit more subtle. The beer is going to be a little bit softer, a little bit more uh, underspoken on ha- and still have those flavors. So mm. I still get banana. I definitely get clove, but not as such a sharp clovey character that you would get from the classic Erdinger Hefeweizen. It's got a really nice mouthfeel to it. <clears throat> um, I actually, I Hefeweizen is hit or miss for me. I really have to be in the mood for it. Um, traditional Hefeweizen, that is. Um, and no, I don't put like an orange slice in it. No, as you shouldn't. I don't. I don't like to put anything like that in my beer. Me neither. Although at adulterates. Uh, at uh, what's that? Adulterates. <laughs> it feels dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. I need an adult <laughs> in a safe space. Um, what the hell was I just gonna say? Oh, with uh, at uh, I just finished up my fourteenth season at Oracle Park, uh, running the digital scoreboard for the San Francisco Giants. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, And one thing, one beer that I always recognize when people buy it is the Hell or High Watermelon Mm. from 21st Amendment. Yes. Because at the ballpark, and you don't come to this ballpark because you go over to Oakland, and maybe they serve it there, I don't know. But it's got a big slice of watermelon like on the side of the glass. Garnishing the glass. Yes. My buddy Jasmani cuts those watermelons. Does he really? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I always see people walking by with those, like, especially on a hot day, and I'm like, I'm jealous because I'm up here with my iced tea and they've got a nice beer. But they paid to be there and I get paid to be there, so there's that. Um, anyway, I don't know why I went into that, but it's, I don't like to put stuff like in my beer. Right. Is really what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, Anyway, and with Hefeweizen, uh, an orange slice is a—it's more of an American thing, but it's a very classic garnish for it, the Hefeweizen. Is that an accept? Is there like a list of accepted garnishes? Uh, to me, in the Reinheitsgebot? No, as I've said, they would uh, frown at that big time. Yeah, as I've said, did before, I say the word I'm, right? I'm kind of yeah, Reinheits, Reinheitsgebot. Hmm. I probably try and. It, put too much of a German inflection when I don't mm-hmm. speak German. That's so fair. it kind of jacks me up when I say that word. But I'm a purist. I've said that before on the show. Uh, so to me, any type of uh, additional flavor, if it was meant to be in the beer, the brewer would have put it into the recipe. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's kind of jump into the pairing. Okay. Because I feel like we're at that, part, that point in the show. All right. Um, so, well, one thing I actually wanted to touch on. I, when it started, this whole weird thing about stuff in my beer um hefeweizens are hit or miss for me i really have to be in the mood it's a great summer beer Mm -hmm. i find it to be very refreshing um but this particular beer i think i really like it because it is it's it's a hef but it's kind of like a hef with training wheels like it's not like for all those things you said it's not over the top with the esters with the banana and the the bubblegum notes and things like that um it's a bit subdued. It's a bit more approachable. Uh, and I think that does make it a much better pairing for this particular cigar. I actually agree with you entirely on that. Yeah, I was afraid once we started reading up on the Erdinger <laughs> and we found out that it was actually a half and not 
a classic Oktoberfest Meritzen style beer. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure how those flavors would go with with the cigar, but because they are restrained, yeah, no, I think you get a little bit more the that uh, wheat malt character where you do get that uh, soft uh, uh, body feel, mouth feel, pardon me, and uh, and you're not being blown away by the cloves. I think the clove uh, in a Franciscan or even the classic Erdinger half might be a little overpowering because yeah. as we talked about the spice with the, with the cigar, it's not real, real strong. So I like the sub- subdued flavor. It is still refreshing. Um, and, and I think it is going really well with the cigar, especially with the cigar, because the, the main flavor component, at least that I'm picking up, is that kind of creamy, cedar, nutty note. Almost a nougat kind of thing, but not super sweet. Um, so to have a, a beer that had those aggressive kind of flavors, we're going we're gonna to fall out of balance, I think. Right. Um, so this is not like a super beefy cigar. It's not got a... It doesn't have... Uh, it's not a full-bodied cigar, so mm-hmm. it's—I mean—it's not like we're smoking something with a thick wrapper on it that's got a ton of uh, a ton of uh, <clears throat> of body to it. And I'm not saying that like it's a negative. I'm saying it that it lends itself to pair with a beer like this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you should have seen Rand- the look on Randy's face when we poured this beer. It was a very wah wah kind of <laughs> moment, but. Um, yeah, I think it's working out really, really well. I do, and too. We've still got maybe 10, 15 minutes in the show, um, so I don't want to get into my rating just yet, but I think you can see kind of where it's going for me. Yeah, no, again, with with a Meritzen or Oktoberfest-style beer, uh, we were both expecting something a little bit more amber to red in hue, have a little bit more of that caramely, barley sweetness. Um, so it was, we did go into this blind. Again, you know, Flavor Odyssey, is driven by the letters of the alphabet so much uh, rather than us just picking a beer for its flavor profile. Uh, so it was kind of interesting that we thought we knew what we were getting on flavor yeah. profile. And we're like, oh, that's a pretty yellow uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah, it doesn't look right. Yeah. Did, but, I, did I buy the right thing? That was my moment. I had that uh, <laughs> that uh, cop in your rear view moment where it's like, oh, God, did I buy the wrong thing? Um, and these people on the, on the, the bottle, they look so happy. <laughs> that it's just i mean they're dressed in the garb and everything and and she's got you know a bunch of of uh, steins i should have brought my stein mm. my my stein from oktoberfest just to give you an idea when you, you get this it's the liter steins full liters it's about this big and you pour one beer in it and it's like 20 percent full to give you an idea of how much beer you're actually drinking at this event um Let's talk about Oktoberfest a little bit because I, it was not at all, at all what I expected. And I think we've gone into this a little bit on the show, but it makes more sense because we're talking about uh, an Oktoberfest beer. Uh, my wife and I went in 2017 for my 40th birthday. And um, this was when I was uh, still working with uh, Mombacho Cigars, if uh, you guys are familiar. And uh, Claudio Scroy, he was the uh, master blender and president of Mombacho, uh, along with uh, our good friend Costa from... Um, uh, from uh, Smoke Maniunk in Philly, yeah. uh, they met us there. Is that Bec- right? Yeah, because they were uh, coming from uh, Innertabak in oh. um, in Dortmund, which was that same weekend. So they went. They came from Dortmund's a bit north in Germany. So they came uh, south and met us there. Uh, Dana and I had gotten there at about ten thirty in the morning, right about when it opens, uh, because we were so worried about getting seats 
because you think, oh, my God, it's going to be so crowded. But it was 1030 on a Tuesday. Ah. We had no problem finding seats. And it was like the second week, I think, of the of the festival it runs for three weeks, like we talked about. And you can't reserve a table unless you have about 10 people, depending on the tent. So when and to reserve it, you have to reserve a meal for everybody and it gets expensive. So we didn't want to do that. We just thought, and OK, they book we'll, out a few years in advance. It, yeah. yeah. And so we'll just kind of squeak in and figure it out. Uh, so we get there and we're, we're all decked out. I got my leader hosing on and she's in her drindle. We're, you know, dressed to the nines. We're having a good time. Nice. And everybody dresses up, man. Oh, yeah. Everybody. The oh, only yeah. people who don't dress up are Americans. <laughs> which is kinda, But then, you, I mean, these guys are they're rocking the uh, the leader hosing that have some years on them. And you can mine looked brand new. But whatever. I was I was uh, I was having a good time. And it's funny. As we were walking there in some of the stores, you can buy like distressed lederhosen so they look like you've had them for a long time <laughs> like oh, i'm not i'm not a newbie i'm not a tourist i've been here a bunch of times now you bought them down the street but you just, went with the brand new ones. no i went with the brand new ones and <laughs> and uh not the easiest things to pee in at least the ones that i had on. i mean you don't want to pee in them but um <laughs> i wasn't gonna i mean you there. have to relieve yourself you're drinking beer by the leader yes um but we went in, and our goal was to go to, there's the six different breweries. We'd go to, to six tents. Now, granted, there's a lot more than six tents. Each brewery has, and these tents are friggin' huge. They're like two football fields. Yeah, that call it about a right? tent almost seems uh, like a, a misleading yeah. thing. Yeah, they're, they're temporary buildings, but yeah, they've got to be 30,000 square feet. Mm. Right? They're massive. The scope of the event it just kind of blew me away. The whole thing, mm-hmm. you walk in, and it's free. There's no, you don't have to buy tickets or anything like that. It's free to get in. And it's not people cruising around with beers. You can only drink in designated areas. And it's like a, it's like a carnival. There's, there's different portions. I'll tell you, you know, when I, when I went, uh, you know, I was studying uh, German beer culture. And so for me, it was this, it was this, you know, pilgrimage to where beer as we know it is from. And so it was a very, very magical event for me. Um, So, so there's definitely like the carnival. Like I was shocked to see that too. There is a whole park with roller coasters and which seems like games. a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. Here's six liters of beer. Go ride this roller coaster. <laughs> I don't want to be the cleanup guy. Yeah, no, Ugh. definitely. And then there's the tents, kind of on a on a separate area. And so there's these massive drinking areas, and all the tables are these huge long picnic bench things and. What, community style it is yeah. it's very community style it it, it really uh, gives it an opportunity to mingle with the other people at your table and that was one of the most uh, eye-opening things for me when I got there what an international festival it is oh absolutely that you're sitting there with guys from Scotland and and youngsters from Austria and, and Italy and I mean everywhere you go and, and it's just so you know everyone's jovial everybody's there to enjoy the the festivities and the interaction with everybody um so it really is the most international festival i've ever heard of and uh and and yeah you you make a ton of friends there and you're you're singing the songs with everybody and they make these glasses and if if i if i may correct you slightly um you referred to it as a stein um my knowledge of of beer glasses would be a stein would be a ceramic glass which was the classic mm-hmm. german uh big goblets you know they have the pewter yeah. tops on them they have the ornate uh embossing uh, figures uh the the dimpled clear glass uh one liter 
kind of almost looking uh, picture looking things that they give you today. It's called a moss. Um, and so uh, like M-A-S? M-A-A-S, but in German. You got a little, um, is, was there an umlaut? There's not an umlaut, Damn. but it's some other weird little ac- accentuation that I don't know the name for. <laughs> but you're clanking these things together. And my theory is they make those things so big because everyone gets so drunk yeah. and you're singing and nine they people survive. are slamming them in. in and, and yeah, they don't chip. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> could drop them from like 30 feet high and you're going to be just, well, probably not. But That uh, might be a little much. Yeah. But I mean, you <laughs> drop it from your table. It's There's beer everywhere, but your 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 moss is fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's one of the stories I like, well, two of the stories I like to tell. The first person, the first tent that we went into right there, 1030 in the morning, we're walking in, a security guy from, and I may have told this already on the show, uh, he was an, a, a gentleman from Africa. I don't remember what uh, what country he was from, but he was wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. He was the first person that I talked with. I've got a picture with him, and I'll, I'll actually I'll share it. So, Eric, you can put the picture up. Uh, me and my leader Hosen and this guy and his he was a security guy super nice and he had his uh, Giants hat on and I think the third tent that we went into I don't remember which brewery it was uh, they they take you around and if you've got two people they'll kind of okay well they'll, you have to follow them and they'll find you a seat and uh, so they found us a seat and we're sitting next to uh, this group of Americans and we're talking for a while and uh, something came up where it was we realized that, oh wow we're probably from you know, a similar area. And they said, yeah, we're from Brentwood. <laughs> I said, I said, Brentwood, like, like LA. They're like, no, Brentwood, uh, you know, just past like Stockton or just by Stockton. And that's from where we were living at the time. These people lived about 20 minutes away from, right. from us. Right. Talk about, I mean, you talk about, it's a super international thing, but man, the world is really, really small. Yeah. I was just surprised. These people were from Brentwood and Brentwood's not a big, it's not like a city. No. It's it's a town and it's relative. I mean, it's it's not that big. That's funny. You random. haven't told that story because I was unaware of it. I also have this unbelievable. It's a small world story. We're deep enough into the show. I'll save it for uh, another time. But uh, but yeah, I, I experienced a similar thing for. Oh, just I tell went, the story. Don't tease it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I was living in Hayward at the time. I leaned over to my girlfriend and said, "Wow, you'd never see anything like this in Hayward, would you?" And a guy. And this is at Oktoberfest. This is at Oktoberfest. There's got to be 30,000 people. I swear to God, 30,000 people in this park. And I whisper, I don't whisper, but I, I lean over and I mention this to my girlfriend. I swear to God, a guy in front of me goes, Hayward? I said, excuse me? He goes, Hayward, California? He lifts up his shirt and across his abdomen it says, Hayward. I go, you've got to be kidding. And Hayward's <laughs> another like small suburb yeah, here in the Bay Area. That's funny. That, uh, to be on the other side of the planet and see it. So it gets crazier that a year and a half later, I'm at an Oakland Athletics game. I'm at the ticket office. And a guy turns around and goes, bro, were you at Oktoberfest last year? And I go, yeah, why? He lifts up his shirt. <laughs> it's the same guy that I ran into him in Oakland a year and a half later, and he recognized me. It was wild. Did you guys become MySpace friends? Uh, yeah, at the time, that probably <laughs> would have been relevant. I don't think we kept in touch. <laughs> he had that's, Hayward tatted on his stomach. He that's, <laughs> that's fair, yeah. said Thug Life right above it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just like to bring up MySpace whenever I can. Uh, I mean, we're old. What the hell? Um, so, okay. So we're about 40 minutes into the show, give or take. Um, I think it's time to, to rate this pairing. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, so, uh, talking about intensity, uh, I think the medium body on this cigar, while it is very full flavored, 
it's very approachable very easy smoking uh has a nice light spice character uh, i think the intensity lines up really well uh with the the hybrid half oktoberfest here and um and the spice character and the phenols coming through in the beer are right in line with that spiciness very refreshing mild some of that uh that kind of light fluffy mouthfeel coming from the wheat um really gives a little extra body to that which makes for a nice landing place for all this smoke uh in in, in this cigar and um I'm not getting a huge flavor hook where I'm able to connect flavors in the beer and the cigar outside of that spicy character, but they're there. Um, I'm going thumbs up. I would absolutely uh, drink this and smoke this uh, together again and recommend other people try it as well. I <clears throat> I agree almost like absolutely completely. It's funny because I, I was thinking intensity nailed it. Yeah, I think the intensity match between these two is perfect. Um, and I was kind of struggling with the flavor hook as well because it's just there's nothing that really jibes between the two from a flavor standpoint. But the beer is super refreshing. It's not over the top with those esters like we talked about. Um, it, it does not get in the way of the highlight of the cigar, which to me is that kind of nutty characteristic mm-hmm. with the, uh, that kind of creamy, cedary flavor notes in there. Um, and the, the nuttiness in the cigar, I think, plays very, very well with the flavor profile of the beer. Uh, the, 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 yeah, and the mouthfeel and the texture on both is, is great. Um, I, like this, I give this a very enthusiastic thumbs up. Wow. Which, like, uh, yeah, I, this might... Are you going to change in five minutes to a different... Well, it's, it's, well, it's like two and a half thumbs, <laughs> 150% thumb. Um, that'd, be, that'd be a really big thumb. Um, yeah, no, I think this is great. And it, it's, like I said, kind of a happy accident. I was uh, nervous when we poured the beer because I suggested this one. And, and I thought, good job, Rob. You totally screwed this up. But um, I think it's just kind of one of those things just happened on accident. And and it works out. And that's I think that kind of says what the show really is all about. Like, this is kind of what I had in mind when we decided to do the show was I want to get out of that comfort zone of, well, I'm going to get a stout and a Maduro and I'm going to be happy. And right. there's nothing wrong with, you know, pairing with stouts and Maduros. It's probably going to be really good. But to go with uh, Ecuadorian Habano Rosado and a Oktoberfest hybrid beer is not something I ever really would have thought of. At all. But yep. these flavors, they're just, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun pairing. It's super approachable. It's not like you don't have to get too nerdy and too like over analytical about it. It's just it just works. And I think sometimes it can just work, you know? I agree. Yeah, and I think that that part of the reason that I wanted to do this show was for pairings just like this. So I think that's why I'm really excited about this one. Maybe awesome. that's why I was so enthusiastic about the thumbs up. But uh yeah, it just works really, really well. Yeah. Really, really well. Um so we've got, uh, I, I was uh, texting with Eric earlier, if you saw me down here doing this, because I forgot to ask who was on uh, Smoke Night Live this week. And uh, they're on vacation, so there's no Smoke Night Live episode this week. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, so don't have to worry about that. We've got uh, an episode E, right? No, we're no, doing E. F. F is next. F is the next letter in the alphabet. Yes, yes it is. Uh, so that's coming up next week. 
Um, <clears throat> we need some recommendations from you guys. Yes. So what do you guys want to see? And actually, I want to get into, we've got a few minutes. So a, a beer question, and this is more of a brewing question, and I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to be very self-indulgent because I brewed a, um, a porter yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a, uh, a, the first time I've ever bought a kit a brewing kit like so when you when you brew beer you can you can go into your local shop and buy a kit that's they already figured out the recipe for you and you can use you can make it out of extract or you can do an all grain uh brew and i did all grain and i did the shallow grave porter from heretic and i was brewing it the same day that you were at heretic i didn't even realize that's where you were yeah um and i love their porter and i've been wanting to brew a porter ever since we did our show with the anchor porter Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that beer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I brewed this weekend. And my question is about mash temperature. Ah. So mash temperature. So the mash is when you first introduce all of your grain with and you put the water in there. You're, you're kind of creating like you're starting to make tea. Basically, you're putting that grain in there. You put uh, and the, the mash sits there for, in this case, 60 minutes okay. at a controlled temp. Now you usually you want to mash anywhere from like 148 degrees to about 156, give or take, right? Now the the lower end you're going to get more of a dry kind of uh, mouthfeel to it. At least is the way that I understand it. And at the higher end you're going to get a bit more full um, uh, full body out of it, right? Is that true? Close enough. That's true. Those are so, the results. Yes. So my intention was to mash in at about 56. I wanted to be at the high end. Mm. And I didn't do it right. Okay. So I ended up mashing in at 150. Still very acceptable temperature. Very much. Now, how is that going to impact my beer specifically? So for a, you'd think for a porter, you'd want to be at the higher end of that temperature. Is, it gonna, is this going to cause like a, a big, well, it will be a noticeable difference in flavor. Because of because I, I I mashed in at a lower temp. I'm going to say that it's a difference. So, uh, well, what you stated was a more full body versus uh, lighter body. Uh, that, those are the end results. What's happening is you're actually creating an enzymatic activity um, where you're actually tricking the grains into thinking they're about to grow into a plant by introducing the moisture at that specific temperature, and so your sugars will bond together into longer chains at higher temperatures it's just it's hotter they're bonding faster and and into longer chains and so those sugars that are the longer chains are less fermentable by beer yeast and Mm. so what you end up with is uh technically a sweeter Mm, finished product which leads to a more full bodied full mouthfeel uh version where if you go at the 146 to 148, it's going to be a bit more dry. It's going to be more dry. It's going to be a those little the bit terms thinner in body use, yeah. um, because those sugars are shorter chains and more easily fermentable by the yeast. Uh, so you're going to end up with a bigger, chewier, sweeter porter at 156. Where at 150, it's going to be a little bit thinner, a little bit higher in alcohol because those sugars mm. are able to be fermented. So where maybe you were aiming for a five and a half percent beer, maybe you end up with a six percent beer. It's not quite as rich and mouth filling and chewy. Um, to your point, 150 is still very acceptable range. You know, I, I think a lot of 
uh, brewers will just kind of generically use 152 as a mash temp yeah. for all beers yeah. and just kind of call it that's middle, middle that's more middle of the road right. exactly um, so you didn't get that like nuanced detail of of you know forcing it to that chewier more mouth filling version of a porter it's still going to be a porter yeah you know it's still going to have all the same flavor profiles that you were going for um and you know if you try it and you think well there's a little more watery a little bit higher abv than i was looking for i i wanted something stick to my bones yeah. you know uh linger on the palate a little bit more you know you're gonna get that at that 156 range it's a little bit inside baseball so i apologize if uh you found that not interesting i i i'm <laughs> To me, brewing, and I, I've been brewing for a while, but I, I kind of took like about a year and a half hiatus. And um, yesterday, I think, was probably outside of mashing in at a bit lower temperature than I wanted. One of my most successful brew days. I, I hit my volume. I hit my numbers nice. uh, with gravity right where I wanted to be. It was supposed to be somewhere between 165 and one, or 1065 and 106 or 1070 and i get it like 1068 so it's right in the middle uh, i got exactly like just a little bit above five gallons which is right where i wanted to be uh very very happy with it but i was just curious um if that was going to have that big of an impact and that added another eight minutes to the show that i didn't really anticipate Sorry but no no not at all i i, I think <laughs> that's really interesting if you guys i don't know if any of you guys are home brewers um i, I don't know if i su should suggest becoming a home brewer because it's a bit of a rabbit hole you, uh, it's a wonderful hobby. It is, it, no, it's fantastic. But I you, recommend it highly. You, but you start out with like an extract kit, and you make you make it on your. And I do it like this. Oh, you get an extract kit. You can do it on your stove top your and everything. Easy bake oven. And then yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then two weeks later, you've got like a five thousand dollar, you know, one barrel system, and uh, and you're starting your nano brewery uh, from your house. But uh, no, I, I really love it. But anyway, I'll. Uh, I'll report back in about three weeks and let you guys know how the beer tastes. Randy will. He's going to taste test it for me. Um, Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, thanks again for checking out another episode of the Flavor Odyssey. Uh, again, thumbs up from both of us, I think, on this pairing. Kind of a happy accident. Uh, thanks to uh, Hector for some of the notes. Uh, Hector from Espinosa for some of the notes. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sunshine. Yes. Is that is that his? Uh, is it Mr. Sunshine? Or is it like... Mr. Warmth. Mr. I Warmth. Believe. Yeah. I think sun Sunshine and Warmth. Same thing. Um <laughs> He's so kind of a stern guy. Yeah. You don't get a whole lot of smiles out of him, I no. think. Is you know, actually, at IPCPR, when we were there this year, and it was day one, we walk into the booth, and you were off chatting with somebody, and I was just kind of standing there checking my email or doing whatever it is I was doing. Hector walked over and gave me a big hug. Oh, he's a very, yeah. very nice guy. I, it's just, I, I, think, I, I think the whole like gruff exterior yeah, is, is maybe overplayed. No, a little bit. it's it's a total it's a total ruse. He's he's a super super nice. Well, guy. he's a career police officer, so I th mm. I think he's a little bit guarded uh, with new oh, people. Understood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> understood. Um, so yeah, and thanks to uh, Erdinger for um, kind of misleading us with their Oktoberfest <laughs> beer into a into a pairing that turned out to be super successful. Really appreciate you guys. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe. We'll see you next week when the Odyssey continues. Cheers.